0: You Welcome can say hi you know. if you want, just... or <laughs> <laughs> how are hi. you can. Hello? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Greg Lamont. Welcome to the Velocast. That's
1: nice, really nice, yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to the Velocast. On today's show, we'll be looking ahead to the elite men's road race at the 2019 UCI World Championships. And John will be talking to women's cycling guru and world's most excitable woman, Sarah Conley, about the women's event. Now, before we get into the details of the men's and indeed the women's races, we should probably run through a few of the results from the other events held in Yorkshire this week. So if you'd be so kind, Mr. Galloway?
0: Well I started by watching the under 23 men's time trial um, because I wanted to see you know these guys are the the stars of the future just as the junior races are when they get to under 23 the people were gonna see actually with what we've seen this year the people were gonna see are already as old as they need to be to win the Tour de France aren't they? Apparently but, so yeah, yeah essentially it was a swimming pool I thought I was watching a synchronised swimming competition instead of time-trialling. Whatever commissaire was there and let that go ahead in those conditions should be sent for a re-education course at Eagle. There was a serious, serious chance of people being injured. And although we saw Mikael Berg win with Ian Garrison second and Brandon McNulty third, which isn't unlike the kind of expectation we would have... had the conditions been dry, I was genuinely worried for the riders. I mean, you've all, all of you dear subscribers have seen the, the GIFs going round on social media, the short video clips of the kind of puzzles they were riding into, often round blind corners so they couldn't take any avoiding action. And they were on the racing line and they were so deep. The wheels were just being swept from under them and we saw riders, you know, going like skittles across the road. It just should have been stopped. So strong riders for the future of the sport, but conditions that somebody should have had the guts to say, yes, it's the World Championships. Yes, it's the UCI's big payday for the year. But these are conditions that we just shouldn't be racing in. Um, And... I really feel for Yorkshire because the weather has been appalling. I mean, I can't imagine anybody is looking at these pictures and going, that's Yorkshire for my holidays next year. You know, it's not like it was during the Tour de France. But we have to have a bit of common sense and protect these riders' safety. I mean, crashes have just been a feature of the entire week.
1: And not that I'm at all seeking to to mitigate what what you're saying. It just struck me there. I say, what would you do if any of these races... Are are cancelled. I mean, do we see th- either the the women's or or the the men's event has to be cancelled this weekend because of really biblical conditions?
0: And the forecast says they might.
1: I, well, yeah, I was kind of going to come on to that, but but yeah, what what happens to the Rainbow Jersey for for next year? Do we not not have one if there was no title awarded?
0: I don't know. Maybe you just you, you, you just put it in one of kind of hoodies water escape cabinets and just put it on display for a year. <laughs> it's a serious thing. I mean, we've seen it with Wimbledon. And um, what they do there is of course they just we've seen it extend into another week. Um, and the the logistics of that for a UCI World Championships are horrific. But you do have to have rider safety. Certainly first in uh, first in your mind. I noticed that the UCI have announced a partnership with Zwift. So maybe they just move it to the latest, you know, the nearest kind of sports hall or something and do it on that next year. Hook Uh, everyone up to turbo trainers, yeah. Well, they are having an an e-cycling competition, which is, I mean, if people think time trialling is boring, get your (laughs) seats ready, folks. That'll be turgid beyond belief. (laughs) But,
1: no, I'm, I'm not touching that one with a, 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 <laughs> a, a sticky one, as, as they say. Uh, moving on to, I think, maybe some of the other races. I guess the big, big story coming out of the week thus far is the the new Remco Venepo, the new Egan Bernal, the new whoever in the shape of America's Quinn Simmons, who I think he barely got to the finish line before he was signed up by Trek Segafredo.
0: Yeah, I think they've got people waiting with a checkbook at the finish line, actually. Uh, Quinn Simmons... Awesome break with a long way to go. Uh, America had been very active in the, the race. Um, and to say he's the new Remco of Annapol when, you know, is barely out in nappies himself is, is quite a stretch. But he's a strong lad, and it was a big, big, powerful win. Um, the women's junior race this morning, which we saw won by another American, uh, Megan Yastrab, um, was absolutely fantastic. The only thing I'm seeing, though, with these junior gearings, you know, if you're wondering and you're relatively new to the sport people, you'll have noticed that these races, their legs are really, really going round fast. You know, they're sustaining very high cadences. It's very hard for them to close down you know, even a small break because they're already on the limit in terms of gearing and cadence. And it's because the junior races have a limited gearing. They're limited to, say, about a bit of 52-14 uh, on their cassette and chain ring at the front. But what we saw with these racings are very, very strong riders. And we've got a young generation coming through already. You know, you've heard Scott and I talking about Egan Bernal, Remco Evenepo, all of these folk. And the racing I've seen this week has been so good that I think we're in a really good place. Because below that absolutely brilliant strata of riders that we've got coming through in the professional ranks, these young folk are just waiting to crush it in three or four, you know, five years already. So I think it's a good time to be a a fan of professional cycling because these folk are going to enter the professional ranks and be amazing you know Quinn Simmons brilliant ride Megan Yastra brilliant spinner you could easily see her replacing a custom Wild or somebody like that so the world championships weather's been rubbish so maybe Gary Gary Ferretti up in a Yorkshire Moor doing a rain dance or something but uh, the racing has kind of made up for it
1: uh, well, getting two to the elites, then um, a repeat win in the the elite men's time trial for for Rohan Dennis. Yeah, managed to get through without any tantrums.
0: Dominant, dominant race. I mean, I I thought he was going to ride De badge trek. In fact, it was a a BMC time machine that he rode. Uh, but I mean, he was he was fastest at the first check. There was nobody that even touched him. We'd seen some really really strong performances. Uh, we'd seen. Uh, Victor Campaners, who was a big favourite for, you know, certainly a podium before the start. Yves Lampert, we talked about them in the preview. They both had a bad day, uh, crashes and unshipping train, chains and that kind of thing. But the Belgians had that secret weapon, young Remco, and it looked like he was going to be a. Certainly a contender for the top spot, but Rohan Dennis was having none of it. You know, we haven't seen him since his uh, somewhat ignominious departure from the tour, but he's clearly been preparing. He's been talking about having help from coaches with his mental approach to the sport, you know, refinding his motivation, and he just absolutely nailed it. You know, nobody was even going to come close. Primus Roglic was caught. Actually, with far more distance to go than I expected, but showed his pride, showed his champion's attitude by hanging on to, to Dennis, and actually looked like they were going to have a sprint for the line. Uh, but Dennis was just in a class of his own and actually looked quite fresh. Unlike, you know, I was talking to Sarah, you'll hear it in a few minutes, uh, about Chloe Dygut, who crossed the line, was cramping up, had to be helped off her bike, and you know, absolutely poured everything out. Dennis looked like he could have gone round for another lap at the time trial course.
1: Well, you talked uh, briefly there about uh, your chat with Sarah, so I think this is probably a very, very good time to hear exactly that.
0: Welcome to Sarah Connolly, who's joining us again to talk about the women's races at the World Championships in Yorkshire, uh, or the big swimming pool that lives in England as we know it now. Um <laughs> It's it's been quite a quite a week so far, and the forecast for the women's road race is is quite interesting too. So that I think affects some of the predictions that are going to come up because so, some people respond better in bad weather than others. But it's certainly been interesting racing, isn't it?
2: You know what? I am loving the BBC journalists going. Oh my god, German rider, Dutch rider. It's been raining, and they go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not and it, we gotta gotta face it. Like, remember the Omluk Van the, the pet Noise blad a couple of years ago, where Marine Breeze got frozen eyeballs because the weather was so bad. Yes, it's raining a bit, but you know what I mean? This isn't that bad. It's 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 you know, fuck it, it's raining. I'm sorry, I swore, that's so bad.
0: No, it's okay, you're I, allowed to swear. People ex- would expect nothing less, you Sarah. Um, let, let's let's keep not, this you
2: know, tight. It's not that big a deal. <laughs>
0: Let's keep this one tight because this is part of the main (laughs) show as opposed to just you and I having a nice chat. So let's try and be somewhat professional, right? Okay. Uh, which will be a first for us, let's be honest um, <laughs> Women's elite individual time trial uh, Chloe Diger has <laughs> has set the internet alight With the biggest victory um, Both in time and I think in percentage Of winner's time versus runners up In world time trial history um, What a lot of people seem to have forgotten about Chloe Is her palmaris before her. this uh, None of oh. this came out of the blue, did it?
2: No no surprise when she she was when she was a first year junior she had a leg injury or something like that she got a degenerative back injury she had to stop playing basketball and so she first appeared as a second year junior where she went to Richmond and absolutely dominated the ITT and absolutely dominated the road race by riding away Bang, 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 won. She's then turned to track. She's got, you know, gold, Olympic silver, gold medals, team pursuit, bang, bang, bang. The only thing is she is following very much in the footsteps of Kristen Armstrong, her mentor, um, you know, multiple world champion, multiple Olympic medalist. The Kristen Armstrong model basically became, don't bother actually riding any bike races against the best riders in the world. Just stay in Idaho, practicing ITT obsessively let other people get to your qualification points, then come over and win. It's a clinical
0: approach, which I know kind of rankles for you, doesn't it?
2: It really rankles for me. And it's like, it's difficult because, you know, I love Ellen Van Dyke. Ellen Van Dyke sadly couldn't beat the ITT because of her horrible crash in the Bowls Ladies store. But she, um, Ellen is a super hard rider who will spend the entire season racing her heart out as the ultra domestique, like the queen of the domestiques, the most amazing. You may as well have six more riders on your team domestique. And then she raised, the time trial against some person. And it's not just Kristen Armstrong, Linda Willemsen used to do the same thing. Someone who just rocks up out of nowhere, having just been a time trial expert, and wins. And I don't like it. I, you know, if uh, Chloe Diger has never raced a UCI race in Europe, I'm not even sure if she's raced in Europe at all, to be honest. She's probably done worlds. But like, if she. I don't she, think she has. I don't. No she hasn't she and I don't I don't I I, I appreciate and admire her strength but you know the like, oh my god chloe it was raining and she's like yeah I live in the pacific northwest you know like it just like rain's continually up in there doesn't it it's like it doesn't make a difference i i don't like it personally but i i, I mean this is the thing about time training you can choose to do nothing but and win I knew it was an Anna van der Breger course rather than an Anna van Vleuten course. And my ideal script would be in van der Breger, finally getting to win it. You know, mm-hmm. she's won everything else, practically. And she's such a good rider and she's, you know, so interesting in her own right. But yeah, Chloe Diger, she blew it out of the water. It is what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thirty-two on, on Anna and one fifty-two on Anna-Meet van Leuten. Yeah. Uh, only the top five were in three minutes of her. It was an absolutely dominant performance. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw um, other people saying that it was the best time trial performance they'd ever seen. You know, Alex Dowsett, who knows a thing or two about time trial, just had a fantastic finish in the Men's Elite time trial, said it was yeah. the most perfectly executed time trial he'd ever seen. And you look at her position; it's everything's dialed in. Her position is perfect. It's right up there with your kind of Bradley Wiggins and Chris Boardman's of the world. Her pacing was just phenomenal. Uh, The lines she took were were awesome. So and. I don't often disagree with you, but as a fat old tester myself, and I'm not saying (laughs) Chloe's fat, I'm just saying it's the discipline of the sport that really appeals to me. That attention to detail, you know, that training on the turbo or just going to do hill repeats on your own in Idaho or or, you know, all of that stuff. I actually really admire. Because when it comes down to it, time trialing is about attention to detail. And that's what we saw from Chloe. And it's what we saw time and time again from our mentor. You know, and it's not it's not that interesting, it's not that exciting. But dear God, God, it works.
2: Yeah, and when you said Chris Boardman um, and when you said Bradley Wiggins, I would disagree about Bradley Wiggins because Bradley Wiggins was backed by an absolutely metric ton of cash. Yeah. You know, and the and i actually admire you know your chris boardman's your um you know your chris armstrong's who weren't you know who did it like who had to actually work a lot harder and yeah it's great i mean it's it's great if you like time trials but you know i like the romance of the sports and you know she's never we're never going to see the rainbow jersey next year she got married at 19 because she's come from a very religious family mm-hmm. she is doing a you know a college course in the USA, she doesn't see the point of riding in Europe. Why should I ride in Europe when other people can win all my points to qualify me for the Olympics, as with Kristen Armstrong, and then I can you know I can go in the Pan Ams and I can pick pick up a bag of points myself and, you know, blah blah blah. And then then I'll just go and win. And it's what to me it's what is time trialing about. It's the same way as I don't like it when a triathlete comes in and just pounds the competition, you know, or I I, I cycling the thing about the time trial worlds is we never can tell who's going to do well in it because they never do standalone time trials right the best time trialists in the world are generally being super domestiques yeah. in the tour and the giro and the vuelta so they kind of finish 118th because they basically treated it as a um you know as a, as a recovery ride Yeah. so you can't call it and that was that makes it exciting and i love it i called ryan dennis you could almost argue that the same thing happened with Rowan and that he was um, didn't actually race since June. But at least he raced, you know. Um, I like these time trials when they're exciting. I liked <laughs> Egil Garilla, the junior w- woman who was sent the wrong way and still won. And I like, you know, Anthony T- uh, Tiberi, the the boy who won the juniors men's one who was you know had this shocker of a bike change on the first corner and then had to chicane around team cars to win that's what i like in a time trial you know and uh, i understand i'm a romantic i like the stories about people and the stories about racing rather than the technical aspect of it but i appreciate that a lot of other people like the technical Brilliance of it. It is what it is.
0: I think we have to admire the UCI <laughs> for protecting those young women's ovaries, though, don't you? I mean, a, a, a whole half the distance of the junior men's. What's, What's that all the, about? I mean, I mean do, you, do, the do they, they not think they can ride more than 14 kilometres?
2: Right. I don't even, I don't get it because on the one hand, the men, the elite men have never, the, barely there's been two time trials in the world tour that are over 30 kilometers. Right. And then the men are riding 50 in the world champs. The, the men's world road race is like some, you know, the second longest race that they've ridden this season. Yeah and then you have 14k for the junior women but nothing is as bad as a junior women's road race where I'm sure they'll ride it amazingly but it's the dullest course in the world like I looked at it and it's like I would rather have a pancake flat Dutch course because at least then the Dutch style racing comes out you know like whatever it is this is why I gave up cycling
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about some more cycling not to like, and let's look at the women's elite road race. Um, I, I I had an absolute nailed on favourite for this, um, and it won't surprise yeah. you to know that it was Marianne Voss for me. She's been magnificent this year. Oof. I mean, it's been a real return. But anybody in that Dutch team could win the bloody thing.
2: Well, unless they don't ride together, they don't have an And um, Ellen, like I say, is the best, the world's greatest domestique, male or female. Hundred percent. You will have to fight me on this one. Um, she's the world's greatest domestique. Ellen's not there. I don't know whether the egos in that team could race together, and I don't know. You know, I don't. Just don't know. I just haven't seen it. Like you see, like anna van Vleuten won a very rode a very, very 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 restricted thing. Uh, calendar this year because she was all after winning another couple of gold medals yeah. <laughs> that didn't go well um i don't know i don't know i will love i can't stop looking at that po- at that circuit and going marianna voss lucinda brand of voss lucinda brand you know that um at 4k to go they have that steep descent into an off camber sharp corner brutal. and you're like huh awful in the rain and then uh, you know then in the last kilometer they have that chicane i know it's on wide roads but they have that chicane of corners into the finish and to me that's mariana voss lucinda brand and i would love if lucinda brand i mean i'm talking fairy tales here i would love if lucinda brand won because you know in any other country she'd be the best rider but in the netherlands she's like the sixth best or something (laughs) poor thing fifth and yeah and yeah, I would love Mariana Vos to win. She's not just winning, she's winning with the panache that we love. And it's a perfect Voss course. The course feels like Voss. And I would like her what I think will happen is they will drop everyone in the opening section of the right, in the mm-hmm. beginning couple of kilometres, because you do not want to be into Kara Harrogate with some no name person who's never ridden a Peloton like this. You want to drop as many of the dangerous riders as possible. They'll go through Otley gently because you know they'll allow Lizzie Dana. The course was written as the Lizzie Dana invitational, right?
0: Well what is it she said today that when she walks out her parents' house, takes her bike out the garage, she turns right and she's on the world's course.
2: Gary Verity did it on purpose. And yeah. we all know about Gary Verity, right? And um he did it on purpose because it would suit him to have a Yorkshire winner in Yorkshire. Uh yeah, it's I mean they still are not sending the women over as many hills as I'd like but you know it does feel like a very Lizzie Dane and course Lizzie's come back from m- maternity leave that would be another fairy tale if she won right like mm. I'm talking too fast I'm really sorry it would be another fairy tale if she won and but can she she's not got that strength and depth of the team but then she didn't in Richmond and she still won so is she the same riders though we don't know yet she won she won the ovo energy women's tour mm-hmm. and she won that with a lot of panache and style but we haven't seen her since my heart says mariana vos cinder brand my head says Marta bastianelli she won uh flanders and Drenthe and vergorda um i but i what i want from this race is i want the wind to be insane i want them to basically do echelon action i want to have a group that's got like four or five Dutch riders in it and like you know the best from other countries I just want ping attack ping attack ping attack I want them to not crash on the corners in Harrogate please that's what I want most in the world and then I want Mariana Vossel, or Lucinda the to win but you know you can't I can't write the script right it could be anything anything could happen I mean you know maybe Chloe Diger just does ride away from everyone and like solos for 50 kilometers I mean you know well,
0: i've got three names that you haven't mentioned on my notes and you can okay. you can tell me if i'm being stupid okay okay the first is you've, you've actually just mentioned her as chloe Dygert. she's performed well in road races in colorado recently um, yes but- she's incredibly strong and the course as we saw today in the junior men's actually seems to suit somebody who's willing to go from maybe 30k and that would see yeah. chloe Dygert down to the ground
2: I mean yes, but it would also suit Annabelle De Elisa yeah. Longo Borghini, etc., cetera, et cetera. What I don't know is whether she can position herself. The thing is, is yes, she won like the last five races she rose in the USA or whatever. But the field, let's be honest, is not as strong. Those roads are like four, four lanes wide. You don't have to know any kind of positioning. You just use power. Yeah. Now, I she's a good crit rider. She won the Winston Salem crit, for example, just off the top of my head. But. I would hope that this isn't a course where just someone who's not bothered racing all season against the pros and has trained and trained and trained and just like has only got one peak of the year, two peaks of the year because she's a track, because she's a trackie, right? Mm-hmm. It just goes and like blasts off from it. But there's also, you know, I mean, look at how Ellen Van Dijk or Elisa Longo Borghini were in Flanders attacking in the wrong place and doing 30 kilometres solos at the end. It's not unusual in women's cycling to do that. I just, think that i mean maybe i would just be very unhappy if it happens so maybe i'm just like in denial but anyway who's who else is on your list
0: kathy and evie uh the way she won amstel we, uh, we, uh, we, uh, she's one of my favorite riders um
2: i adore her i would cry tears of happiness but yeah. i don't think it's climbing enough for her
0: yeah I, I think you're right it's just i was looking back in the season so far and i think the way she won amstel would that kind of that kind of late kind Of strong, strong push with somebody chasing hard and not quite being able to get back would, would be the mark of that. And the other person is you know, yeah. you were talking about was it Lucinda Brand being your your kind of heart's choice? Yeah. For yeah. me, it would be Amanda Spratt because we saw her oh. dig so hard on La Course, and then you talked about Panache, you know, Mariana just crushed that and won that race beautifully. But my heart was with Amanda that day actually.
2: Spratty is adorable, I love her, she's a like little. Punchy pocket rocket, you know, but I don't know whether Stratty's got the winning, um, I love her, I love her to do dear, dearly, I think she's an amazing rider, I don't know if she's got the winning mentality. Um, you know, the Australian I do think is if it comes to a bunch of sprint, Chloe Hosking, or if it comes to a sprint from a group. Bit hilly? Yeah. yeah. Not really that hilly. No,
0: it's true actually, because they're more drags than
2: it's hilly, not, hilly. It's, it's not that hilly. It's, yeah exactly and it's so the thing that's interesting about it is you know like the belgian classics where you cannot relax for a moment you know they after the opening bit you you get to a certain point where you can't relax for a moment because it's like i don't know tight corner into horrible cobbled hill with a sharp descent ends in a tight corner with then like rolling bit for like two for five kilometers and then it's a tight corner into another thing a tight corner that everyone's racing for because you want to get to the bus. Straight hill straight away and it's relentless it's bang yeah. bang 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 and you're continually accelerating and slowing down and accelerating slowing down it's it's like the men's itt course mm-hmm. right like that itt course is a lot harder than a long race. that's like you know where you can just it's harder to ride a belgian class is to ride the alp d'Huez, right Just yeah. slapping the alp you just slap on your you just grind 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 all the way up like you have to be strong but it's harder to ride a classic because you cannot breathe for a moment. Yeah.
0: And the attention to details, everything. I mean, it's as much mental as physical.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I think there's something about, like, and the other thing you have to be careful is you have to know who to follow. Now, the Dutch will be, have got enough people in their team that they can literally sit there and go, okay, if, if, um, if Chloe jumps, Anna Meek and Anna follow, right? right. If, if so and so jumps, so and so follows. You know they have that. They've got so much strength and depth that they literally go. Okay, if Cassia Nuodoma goes, right, you go, Chantal Black, You know, if 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 Lizzie Armistead goes, Anna Meek and Mariana try to follow her because then we've got like two options. Then they've got all the young riders. You know they've got Lorena Weber's over Kirsten Field, which is an interesting choice. If it comes to a bunch sprint and and Demi Vollering, who's been both Lorena Weber's and Demi Vollering, have been the absolute revelations of the season. Mm. You know they've got. They've got so, much. There are so many options that that's going to become, you know, they can team time trial after a, uh, you know, if you put, if you, you know, like how they won the relay and they didn't have the three best, the three riders on the podium last year, the ITT, yeah. you know, van der Breger, van Vleuten and Ellen van Dijk. Imagine, what, and I know that actually they rode that relay like a breakaway. They didn't ride it like a TTT, but if they decided to TTT it, like, you know, you just put like. But um, oh, You could have a
0: Dutch podium. You know,
2: yeah, exactly. Lucinda, Anna Mieke van Vleuten, Anna van der Brega and someone's out there. Well, they can chase them, and then we can catch. Them. And, and that's actually, I think, that what where I wonder about Chloe is if remember how the Dutch rode the Olympic road race, where they were just brutal from the start. It's Luz Honeike and Ellen van Dijk trading attack, 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 attack. And that's actually a lot harder to ride than in the men's race. You know, the men's race where you get to like, oh, here's our break. We'll spend 100 kilometers chasing it down. Yeah,
0: a good day, usually 200. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, but in the women's race, it, yeah, it may only be like half the length of the men's race, if that. But there's no time when you can't be like speeding up, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down. Oh, my God, an attack chase, an yeah. attack chase, you know. If they do, if they play that, oh god! If they're on their game, the Dutch, like you say, could be a one-two-three. But I don't know if the egos in that team can deal with it. No, I, th-
0: I think you're right. Actually, I think if Ellen de Van Dyke was there, it might be the kind of you know the the, yeah. the calming influence that would pull the team together.
2: Yeah, the selfless influence who would chase who would chase the who would chase it down. I mean, it wasn't. <sighs> I'm interested in Lucinda Brand. She did really well in the time trial, but that was the opposite of a Lucinda Brand course. Marianne Vos, who is the queen of technical writing, says Lucinda Brand has the best technical skills in the peloton. She is Violently good at, like, her descent attacks are like, you know, when you watch Fabian Cancellara chase, oh, there was one of my first Tour de France's was Fabian Cancellara chasing down some horrific descent through team cars because he'd had a mechanical stealing something. Yeah, exactly, like, you're like, oh my god, I'm going to die Like, you know when you've got them, when they've got their, you know, the Mariana Vosk, Lucinda Brand thing Where they've got their chin over the front bars, and it's just, ah, oh, that's how she rides And she is just a killer in the corners, technically excellent You know, I don't know um, It's funny, actually, heart, I'm thinking head. back to that
0: World Championships that Chantal Black won And mm. not the actual the actual Worlds, because that was taken in the kind of style that we might see in this race mm. at the weekend But the, the, yes. the, the team celebration afterwards Everything was centered around Ellen van Dyck.
2: Yeah, because she was so strong. She was standing so good there like a calm, so kind of quiet
0: influence in the middle, and the rest of the team were celebrating around her.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, that was amazing. That was exactly how they should ride it, where they just. I loved, I loved Chantal Black one. You know, Chantal Black, again, the problem with getting into the Dutch team in the first place is it was really super hard. But the problem is, is if you're Brand or Black or, you know, Amy Peters, you are. In any other team, apart from three or four, the lead rider, 100%, everyone's riding for you. In the Dutch team, you're probably not even going to get to the Olympics, you know, because you're the fifth best Dutch and there's four places on offer, you know. But when, I mean, it was such a perfect win, that kind of ping, ping of attacks and knowing what it must feel like to be other teams, knowing that if you chase down Chantal Black and catch her, well... Anna Miki's going to yeah. go, or Lucinda's going to go, or Anna Van der is going to go, or Mariana Voss is going to go. Like, but you know, it is what it is. Like, like you know, I, I, I don't know whether, in the same way as the Italians raise their game every time they get to the worlds and bring something special to it, sometimes the Dutch have that weight of pressure of knowing they should win. That messes them up.
0: Well, give me give me a top three then, because I mean, we—I I said I'd keep it tight, Of course, as is, as is oh, everyone. That's, that's... Oh God, I
2: know I can't. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, uh, I, are you talking heart or head? Um, well, let's have both. Okay. I don't even know. Well, you know me. Like my ideal podium is got ten riders on it at least. You know, like I, I can never do this. I, I I can't do it when I care. You know. Right, forget the podium, um, then.
0: Just just pick pick me a winner. It's Bastianelli, isn't it? For you,
2: Bastianelli's head. Mariana Voss's heart. And I think, and I i want it so, it's been such a roller coaster. I said this to you before, it's been such a roller coaster following her last couple of years with injury and illness and problems. And I would love her to come back. I love it. She's such a, she's so good for the sport. In the same way as I think that a Chloe Diger win would be bad for the sport because of what it says about the sport, Mariana Voss coming back when she works so hard for it. And, you know, you can always tell with Voss, you know that she's working hard that she's pushing it doesn't come effortlessly to it she's got amazing natural talent but she pushes it up through work 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 she's tactically a genius she runs her own team she spends ages and ages hours off the bike pushing for the sport to to to, to be improved mm-hmm. and to help everyone else you know I would love it. I love her. I love it. She was my first love in women's cycling. She'll be my last love in women's cycling. You know, I, I want Rory Abos to win. But, you know, now I've probably jinxed her. She'll probably crash at first 10k and I'll
0: cry. For me, it comes back to, actually, I, I hate to repeat ourselves. The last time we chatted was a few weeks ago. And I, I I brought out that relatively recent quote from Eddie Merckx when he was asked who in the current Peloton was Eddie Merckx. And he said, Marianne Vos. Um,
2: oh, every time, yeah
0: and f-
2: Peter, 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 Peter Sagan, the Mariana Voss of the most person well, maybe in five years' time yeah, no,
0: absolutely <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've got two people who I think could win and I think it all depends on who the Dutch ride I think you've hit the nail on the head with that With Ellen van Dijk there I would feel far more confident about a, a Dutch winner You've yeah. absolutely hit the nail on the head yeah. But there's such strength and depth that I think it's difficult to see past them So I think we're either going to see a Chloe got solo with 20k to go or something. Actually, more likely 30. I think she'd go the same place as Quinn went in the junior men's today. Um, but from a Dutch win, it could be any of them if they work together because we saw that with Chantal Black. You know, they just keep firing off until something sticks. But yeah, I, 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 I think Olympics. Marianne's going to voice. I think yeah, Marianne's going to voice. Well, that's that's a good verb actually. <laughs>
2: Marianne's going to voice it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, re- but also remember the other thing is it's a very technical circuit. It's got heavy. Everyone bangs on about it, but you know the British heavy tarmac, yeah. right? They're heavy roads. I we saw like even you know Eleanor Baxter clip the barriers when she was racing through the Harrogate circuit, Hell and a you know, she's like she's, she's <laughs> Yeah, I know. I oh mean, God, but like there is that also thing. I mean, remember in the world where Mara Abbott, you know was the lead rider. She was the only person who could win. You know, she was the only climber who could touch. And, and what's going Crashed. Mm-hmm. She was going ahead, but, you know, couldn't face it. I mean, the thing I think is really interesting is Chloe Diger isn't the rider who would think about jumping at 30 to go. Yeah. Could we get Elisa least a jumping at 35 to go? You know, maybe there's, there are so many riders who could win this and we haven't even got close to touching most of them, but you know, I, there's so many riders I want to win it, John. I just yeah.
0: Well, I hope you'll I hope you'll you'll come back next week and chat to me about
2: it. I will. I will always.
0: Hey, thanks
1: again to Sarah Conley for for joining us. Always good to have her on the show. Right, let's get ourselves to the elite men's road race which is coming up this weekend. It's a very, very open field. There are some standout favourites, of, of course. But before we get to the, the favourites, maybe just a, a brief word or so about the, 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 the route that the men will face.
0: Well, there's a, there's a kind of big bit before they get into what's now become a very familiar finishing circuit in Harrogate to us. Uh, they go over the claims of Cray, Buttertubs and Grinton Moor. And they're by far the biggest obstacles of the day. Um, But they're so far from the the finish that they might make an impact in terms of, you know, those early breakaways that we see in World Championships because the course is so long that it's just, you know, it's left to hang out there until the racing proper starts. Um, After that, what we've seen actually is a course which is very technical. You know, the finish is... The When we were talking about the junior racing I was worried because they were having some trouble on that finishing circuit with some of the corners, whether they were dry or wet. Now imagine coming into that with the pace and the number of riders that you're going to have from the professional peloton. Now they've got greater bike handling skills maybe because they've got more experience at that kind of thing. But we've had people like Jan Bacalantz talking about how dangerous the circuit is. So I'm slightly worried about that, particularly if the conditions that are forecast come to come to bear on Sunday. But it's so long that it's going to be a race of attrition. You know, we've talked about Machi van der Poel doing an extra 100 kilometres after other races. And I think it's when we get to 220, 230 kilometres, 20 or 30 kilometres from the finish on that circuit, which isn't that hard. You know, it's technical but the climbs aren't evil. It's not the kind of thing that we'll have seen earlier in buttertubs. That the, the World Tour experience is going to come to the fore. The lesser countries are going to drop back and we're going to see, you know, the Italians who always perform well at the Worlds these days since they discovered how to be a team in the 90s. The Belgians, you know, they're going to come to the fore. France have got a fantastic team. So I think that final 20 or 30 kilometres is going to be magnificent. Before that, it's just going to be that softening up process that we're so used to watching year after year. You know, it's, it's the second longest race of the year after... You know, probably actually after um, Melanson-Remo. There's, there's nothing longer. So it's going to be the strongest guys who are there. It's going to be the strongest nations. And I think the market of this year is the depth that those nations have got. Not just Belgium, who have got a stupid, stupid team. You know, you heard Sarah and I just talking about the, the in-depth strength of the Dutch team in the women's event. It's exactly the same for the Belgians in the men's event. But they're not going to have it all their own way, you know. France, with Julian Alaphilippe and his supporting riders, are going to have something to say. Italy are going to have something to say. So the last twenty or thirty kilometers, I think, is going to be absolutely cracking.
1: Well, let's start then talking about the riders themselves. You mentioned, of course, the the Belgian squad it is. Fundamentally the, the strongest on paper Tim de Klerk, Remco, Ivan Paul, Philips Joubert, Eves Lompere, Oliver Nassen, Dylan <laughs> Toynes, Greg <laughs> Van Avermaet and Tim Wellens.
0: <laughs> Anyone I mean, any one of oh,
1: them Well you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean the, the only the only question I have over that squad is will they be as selfless as the the quick step team that arguably, you know, it kind of looks like on, on paper because we, we've always spoken over the past few seasons of of how selfless any given Deconic quick step rider is when it comes to, to a one day race, whereby if somebody else is in a better position to win, the team absolutely coalesces around that eventuality. Will this be the same for the Belgians or w- you look at the guys like Gilbert, Van Averma and I guess to a certain extent Remco Venepoel Im- himself, are, are they going to be as selfless for each other or is there, you know, there's more more at stake with, with uh, an Archon seal at at the end of all this for one of them?
0: It's interesting, I mean, because Sarah raised exactly the same point about the Dutch women's team, you know, with Ellen Mm -hmm. Van Dijk, who's that great stabilising influence being out uh, injured. And I think there's enough of the Dequan and Quickstep boys in there that it might instil some discipline. And the Belgians are such a cycling nation that yes, individually they want the jersey, but they're aware of how important it is to, you know, to add to the heritage of Belgium as a cycling nation that I think they will fall into line. But they're certainly chatter about it, not just with us, but amongst the riders themselves. You know, you've got Philip Gilbert openly coming out and saying, if the Belgians are going to win, we need to race like De Kenne in and Quickstep. And that's that selflessness that, you know, Ability to subsume your own ambition To to serve another of your teammates But I think we'll see it The only fly in the ointment for me In terms of that unity Is maybe Greg van Avermaet You know, van Avermaet yeah. is in magnificent form Just won the, the GP de Montreal recently And he's somebody who is so used to racing the quick-step guys, so used to taking it to Gilbert. He's aware of young folk like Remco Evenepoel coming through, that maybe his head won't quite have that discipline. And that could work against them with some super strong folk beside them like Machavander Paul to race from other countries. So I think they'll have the discipline, but the wild card for me is Van Avermaet.
1: Which brings us very neatly to Matthew van der Poel racing a course for the, the, the Netherlands. And it's not exactly a weak-looking team there either with the likes of Sebastian Langefeld, Bouca Nicky Terpstra, Mike Toonison, Dylan van Baal, Joss van Emden and Peter Vening, all in in support. I mean, again, you've got two or three riders there who are all capable of winning on a course like we have in, in Yorkshire, but I, I guess the, the kind of de facto leader of that team or, or the one that we are looking to for the Dutch would be Matthew van der Poel himself.
0: Yeah, absolutely stunning performance in uh, the Amstel Gold Race. I mean, that was that was something the likes of which I've never seen. It was just amazing. Um, and we've talked, as I talked earlier on this show, about the extra kilometres he's doing after races to get used to the World Championship distance. For me, he is one of three people who I've got on the top step. I'm, I'm unable really to decide between them. In terms of strength, if he can go the distance, Matthew Vanderpool looks almost unbeatable to me. And the question is that distance, because it's not the same getting miles in afterwards as it is racing, you know, 280 kilometres or whatever. But if he can master that distance and he's applied himself properly to it, then I think he's in a position to, to you know, to take the World Championships and absolutely blow our minds with what he's achieved this year. Uh, but there are other people there. I had to laugh, though, with Bouke Moloma. The team are making a big thing about the fact he's going to race this... Hilly world championship course on a single ring, you know, a one by one by eleven setup, and uh, it just brought. Oh, because there's that never been any fucking tram <laughs> <laughs> You would right. read my mind. <laughs> um, but they're a strong team too. The other really big player, and we haven't seen him race at full gas for a long time, has to be Julian Alaphilippe from the French team. Though, if you look at this parkour, it suits it suits Julian down to the ground, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and not exactly a, a lightweight team in, in support uh, for for Ala Philippe, uh, Julien Bernard, Remy Cavagna, who was so good at the mm. the Vuelta recently, Tony Galapan, Christophe Laporte, Anthony Roux, Florian Seneschal, who I think could actually be a dark horse, and Benoit Causinfroy.
0: Yeah, I mean, strong, strong team. Any of those guys, I mean, Often in the national team you get four or five guys who look really strong, you know, or in the smaller countries maybe three, but then the rest are, are filler. I remember Nick Craig riding the road race for Britain in his mountain bike shoes. And it's in no way could you describe Nick Craig as filler in almost any event. But you know, that was a time when Britain had to push somebody who was riding the mountain bike race into the road race just to you know, to bulk up the numbers. Um all of those teams, you know, we've talked about uh, the Netherlands, we've talked about France and we've talked about Belgium. If you were a DS assembling a super team, all three of those would fit that bill, wouldn't they? Mm,
1: definitely. Uh, a rider that, that probably doesn't need to, nor would, would probably want to rely on his team as former world champion Peter Sagan, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, Slovakia are a nation which has anything like the kind of depth that we've seen. Uh, but Petrsagan, Petrsagan, isn't he? Mm. Um, and l- last year at Innsbruck, we looked at that course and thought it would be too hilly for him, even if he lost a few kilos. And that, you know, that proved to be the case. Um, as well as the fact I think he had a bit of illness running into the event last year. This year, it looks like a Petrsagan course. The problem is Petrsagan now has. Matthew van and Remco van to deal with, as well as, you know, those other names we've mentioned and you know, we've got more to come. If Petter's absolutely on top of his game, then he'll be able to, you know, to take advantage of others' efforts to use that fantastic racing brain, which we've seen him use so often to win. You know, in Bergen, I didn't even realise he was there until he crossed the line in first place. So it's that kind of cunning, that kind of cleverness of having the power to, to cover the moves, but not doing so much work that the strength and depth of the other teams will work to his disadvantage. But if anybody can do it, Peter Sagan, I would be very, very far from surprised if we saw him raise his arms aloft and, you know, pull on the Archon seal on the podium after the race on Sunday. He's, you know, he's, he's a force of nature. He can win anything at any point And he's definitely up there with my favourites.
1: Another strong team, one that you've mentioned in talking about the the course itself are Italy, always a a strong nation coming to the World Championships. This time I think it's fair to say behind Matteo Trentin, but there's a couple of names in there that I think could do pretty well, uh, in, including the Tour of Flanders winner this year, Alberto Bettiol.
0: Yeah, Betiol's um, probably fourth or fifth tier for me in the names I've got on my notes, but the way he won the Tour of Flanders was, was absolutely brilliant. I saw um, some people in social media, uh, we're, we're just wondering about the depth of his his performance, you know, whether he was a rider of the calibre that you'd expect to win the Tour of Flanders or whether it was just one of those freakish one offs that you sometimes get in the sport. However, if you look at his results over previous years in that kind of event, he's he's been a solid top 10 rider, you know, with a good few top fives. And if you're that good, then as we've often said, on any given day, you're capable of winning. So we have to consider them, but I think Trentin's the best bet for Italy. I think they'll, they'll be four square behind him, and if those big climbs that are on the the course before they come into the circuit were later on, I'd be slightly more worried about Trentin. But he's more than capable of handling that finishing circuit, and if it comes down to you know a medium biggish group at the finish, which it might well, you know. I, it's, All of these riders are strong enough to hold things together, although we've seen a good few solo escapes to to win victory in uh, the events this week. If it comes to a kind of mediumish group, you'd be mad to to count Matteo Trentine out of a, a group sprint to take the victory.
1: And I'm just thinking back to the European Championships where he won in horrendous conditions in Glasgow, of course, and if the weather does end up being Mm -hmm. as horrific as we're expecting and and we're looking at via forecasts, you can see someone like Trentin coping with those conditions as well as as your Greg Van Avermaet or or Philip Gilbert.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, He's a rider who thrives in bad conditions when other people might suffer. Uh, But... There's real depth in this field. You know, we talked about Primoz Rogolic in the, the time trial. He looked a bit tired. But we know what he's capable of on any given day. And who else is in his team? Young Tadej, you know, who... It's amazing to me that we're talking about the longest single-day event other than milan Sanremo. The prestige of a world championships and we're talking about you know Taji's poshuka and uh, matthew van der poel as genuine contenders for the top step what a wonderful time to watch the sport yeah it should be an absolute
1: cracker um some other riders then i, I and teams i guess that we we need to cover uh denmark i think are fielding a, a really good squad i mean multiple riders within there that could conceivably take it i mean I, i'll I know you're going to say maybe slightly further down the pecking order in terms of favourites, but Michael Valgren, um, uh, Mikhail Morkov, Christopher Yul Jensen, Jakob Fuglsang, of course, Magnus Kort, Kaspar Askren. I mean, they're all riders that have had it in some way or another fantastic seasons this year.
0: Yeah, of those, I'd actually say Casper Askeen's probably my favourite out of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Valgren's off the boil now, uh, and Magnus Court is kind of—he's almost flattered to deceive a wee bit, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I was expecting him to make a far bigger breakout, uh, whereas Casper Askeen uh, has been really, really clever. You know, we we we've watched him; he's been tactically astute this year. He's a strong, strong rider. Uh, so, yeah. it's it's a good team the problem is there's some bloody great teams Mm. Uh, and in a normal year Denmark would look much stronger but they're up against those three teams that we talked about that, that just look like absolute superstars
1: now playing the part of Movistar and I do mean that deliberately in terms of bizarre tactics because we have seen the Spanish do exactly this in World Championships Spain and that brings us of course to the reigning champion Alejandro Valverde can he do it again?
0: Yes, yes, he absolutely can. Um, when we saw this course uh, unveiled last year, the first name that sprung into my mind, and you have to bear in mind this was before that astonishing Amstel Gold race. It was before we saw that Remco Annapol you know, he was just a, a really promising young talent. He hadn't burst onto well, the scene.
1: It was a nappies last year, wasn't it? surely?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, do you remember last year in the junior ro- or the, the under-23 road race? Yeah. He looked like he was just a different class, so we knew he yeah. was going to be incredibly special. But we hadn't seen, you know, the, the Remco of Unapol that came second behind Rohan Dennis and the, the, the Elite wins time trial, and he was so impressive this year. We hadn't seen the Remco of Unapol who'd won, you know, San Sebastian. Um But... Before those young names sprung into my mind, Alejandro Valverde, you know, it's a tactical finish with technical corners. The climbs aren't really, really brutal. All of that says Valverde. So we could easily see, I mean, we've almost got used to seeing repeats of World Championships through the performances of Peter again. I wouldn't be surprised to see a repeat, would you?
1: No, I, I really wouldn't. I mean, had it been a different course, possibly, my only other question mark would be how much the Vuelta has, has taken out of them. And you talked about the attritional nature of, of this course. I mean, you don't really think of Alejandro Valverde when you think of long, attritional, Milan-San Remo-esque uh, races so um, that's and, and he's no spring chicken as as everybody knows so I mean I, I guess that would be the only thing that, that maybe counts against Valverde going into this race but like yourself John it wouldn't surprise me in any way shape or form to see him cross the, the, the finish line in Harrogate to take another world title.
0: One of one of my scenarios, I've got a kind of a number of scenarios played out in my head for how how it goes on Sunday. Uh, one of my scenarios is Peter Sagan and Alejandro Valverde almost forming a combine, uh, and not going away as a twosome, but forcing maybe a small break, which is is at their instigation, and taking advantage of the fact that the other big teams are watching each other, you know, um, mm-hmm. mm. and that's because they're both such canny racers, you know, they're both so crafty, so. Uh, if, he might win by guile as much as by strength. You know, that's the kind of rider Valverde is. You just can't count him out. And, and, I mean, I used to, you know, I used to hate the bugger. I, I love him now, you know. <laughs> I just love the way he races. And he'll certainly animate Sunday's race, even if he isn't there at the finale. Uh,
1: you mean, you say winning by guile? that's exactly how he won his... Uh, Rainbow yeah. Jersey last year was yeah. was by my guile. He totally outfoxed his uh, breakaway companions uh, towards the, the end of, of the race. Any other names you want to throw in? We've talked about a lot of other people. Does there's, there's one other writer I think I want to mention, and that's Alexei Lutsenko. But is there anyone else you want to talk
0: about? Uh, um, I, you know, I was talking about scenarios a minute ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've got this scenario in my head where all of these big teams cancel each other out and it comes in with maybe 40 or 50 riders at the finish and we get an Irish world champion as Sam Bennett crosses the line arms aloft.
1: Well, certainly he, he's shown that short, sharp climbs are, are no difficulty yeah. for him given that finish into Toledo at the Vuelta. So that's not... That's not mad. Um, There would have to be the bunch finish for for that to to take place. Uh, And I mean, there are so many riders within the field who will be looking for it not to be a bunch finish and a lot of very strong teams who could either force that to happen or indeed cancel it out, so it's it 's not the maddest shit i 've ever heard, John is that it, actually who you 're going to go for though
0: well, I've, i'm going to go for two people and it 's based on two different scenarios but if i 'm pushed i I'll, 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 I'll go for one so do you want them
1: no you can you can name one hundred and twenty seven different riders that you 're going to pick if you like but
0: well i I think that if it plays out it's a hard proper difficult, difficult race. Then Matyvandurpool's going to win. I think he's shown the commitment to getting the distance in his legs. Um, he's shown the maturity to approach it with the seriousness that this task demands. You know, this is one of the biggest races of the year, and he's shown that he's just—excuse my French people—he's just stupidly fucking strong. You know. You can have all the tactics in the world, and we've seen people almost outfox him repeatedly this year. And he just uses raw power to take them apart. So Mathieu Vanderpoel, his team are strong enough to support him, and he's strong enough to take it to even a combine of other riders. Um, you know, everybody's picking Belgians. And match of Evanderpool. I think match Evanderpool with ha- that half decent team behind them. If they can get him to two hundred and forty kilometers in contention, he can handle himself. The other one is we often see the world's be a negative race. I hate you know. I hate to say this, but it's often a real snooze fest. You know, you watch rider after rider peel off as they go down circuit after circuit of turgid negative racing to the point where you know, you're know you cheering on the guys you've never heard of in the break, just because you you not know, at least they've got out there and done something. If the Worlds is a negative race, Sam Bennett. And that's that's my two scenarios that I think might play out.
1: I'm agreeing with you 100% on Matthew van der Poel. He's actually my pick as well. I think I'd said Julian Alaphilippe, before you know, in the past couple of weeks i've been talking about ala philippe as being who i was going to go for for the win but i actually think matthew van der poel's not going to w- only win it i think he's going to win it solo i think he's yeah. going to strike out do you have quinn simmons <laughs> well yeah and i he's think he's the next that... quinn simmons
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's a headline <laughs> um i i think that the strength that the the Belgians and um, the Italians and, and other teams have, as well as the just the the ego and the stature of riders like Sagan and and um, Alejandro Valverde, may actually end up being what we've seen this in, in classics races year in year out, where riders go up the road and there's a kind of half-hearted attempt to follow, but there's always that look of, oh, I'm not doing all the work here. Yeah. Especially from Sagan. I think Sagan does this quite a lot. You know, why should it be me? Why should it always be me that has the chase? And I think just in a, a split second non-decision, Matthew van der Poel may end up just getting away and riding several kilometres, if not a, an astonishing amount of kilometres solo to to take a very, very well-deserved win.
0: Thirty k solo. There you go.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: Um And you know that does, that doesn't seem even vaguely outlandish to me. It really doesn't. Um, we should actually. We, we got so excited about moving on to Sarah. We should probably say that Remco Evenepoel was behind Rohan Dennis in the team in the time trial and a great ride from Philip Pagano and Ghana in third. Uh, it was a good time trial and Alex Dowsett, fantastic ride in fifth, and John Archibald did a really good ride as well. So, in case people moan at us for not giving them the results. Okay,
1: I'm, I'm so t- terribly sorry people. Uh a couple of things before we we go then um talking about races earlier in, in the, the the event I mean, we've been heartbroken too many times in cycling and and this was almost, I think, as bad as watching poor Thibaut Pinot at the Tour de France. But uh, the young Colombian rider, Germán Darío Gómez, left standing and in tears uh, by the road at the junior men's event was, oh, I mean, you'd, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to be bawling your eyes out at that.
0: I tell you what, though. That's probably done a, him a lot of good getting a contract, because if I, I was a DS, I would really take notice of the fact that we had all of those shots of him absolutely distraught as neutral cars go past with it, even you know, bothering to stop to give him a wheel. But he's gutted. He got back in his bike and finished sixtieth. You know, that's the kind of determination and commitment to doing the job, that if you're looking for a fantastic super domestique who might develop into something more, I'd be the Trek guy waiting at the finish line, driving a bit down the road to sign him up.
1: A very, very good point well made. At one point, I genuinely felt that he was going to have to walk the 77 kilometres to the finish line. He would have. He would have, yes, Indeed. I feel we should play out the uh, with the proclaimers or something here. But anyway, <laughs> before we actually go, I feel it necessary, if not bothering on the compulsory, to get you all, ladies and gentlemen, to visit shop.velocast.cc, where you'll be met with a, a range of arc-en-ciel themed vêtements and cadeaux.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're lovely. I've got myself a nice wee penny for the kitchen. Um, Translation for the non-Scottish: an apron for the kitchen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you should also visit velocast.cc, of course, and sign up for the early bird offer. Um, we've had a fantastic September, and I really want to thank you folk for your continuing support uh, for, for all of the stuff we try to do. Um, 2020, I think, is going to be a really good year for the Velocast with some new content, uh, some some changes of priorities and some of the shows, some absolutely new shows coming through. Uh, but... We always do a September and October offer, and every year they're absolutely eeksy-peeksy in terms of subscriptions, you know, people tend to split them almost evenly between the two months, and if you do that this year, I'll be very happy, and if you don't, it'll make me sad, and you really don't want to make me sad.
1: No, that's my job. Yes. I, I, I would also like to say anybody who, in the VeloCast raffle, picked Eeksy Peeksy as the Scottish phrase that John would introduce to the show this week. Congratulations. And but Penny and pinny yeah, I don't think you've ever said before <laughs> uh, however thank you everyone for joining us today as we previewed the elite men's road race and of course thanks to Sarah for her expert and insights and analysis into the women's event we hope you all enjoy the weekend's racing and look forward to talking to you all again soon for the next edition of the Velocast